You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is To Stir With Love, Tales from Prison with Rabbi Yitzchok Kowalkowski. I'm Avram Kivalevich, and our second program, Yitzchok, and it comes on the heels of those that, um, although you work, Yitzchok, uh, in a prison, as we've spoken about, it's a prison, like many places throughout the United States, that is very cognizant of the role of what veterans have contributed. And uh, I know you feel very strongly about what it means to give your life and to commit yourself for your country. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on in the next day or so in Weimar? Well, generally, every year we have some sort of a program on Veterans Day. This year, they decided to, because of the, the situation, the reaction to the COVID-19 virus, although we did have something for Memorial Day, which I recorded, I have on my YouTube channel. But I, I, I'm reminded, really, in general, we have a lot of staff who are veterans, and we have also a few inmates who are veterans. And there was an incident that took place in February of 2019 that I think um, me as a chaplain, this is not maybe not necessarily uh, an issue about veterans per se, although it's a story about veterans, uh, but there's an interesting little drama that that took place. And, And in general, the drama of being a prison chaplain is a very difficult tightrope to walk because... It, it, it might be fair to say that chaplaincy in general is the least respected department uh, in in the in prison in general. They're see, chaplains are seen as people who are giving giving away the house. They're seen as a security risk. And actually, I wrote on the coattails of a of a good chaplain who wrote on the coattails of before a pretty. Uh, a chaplain who didn't have such a good reputation, particularly not being security minded, someone who I guess kind of had a, 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 a people viewed him somewhat like an absent minded professor. And he's he in the position that I hold as the supervisor chaplain, uh, he was he was really looked the, the way they described is when he retired after 25 years serving the prison. Uh, it was almost as if a new, an extra wall was built around the prison that that so much new security came into the prison system. So, and- so, so the animus that that exists between even yourself and I don't know if it's called the warden or some of the uh, superintendents is because there's a perception that having you on staff is a, a way that weakens the security of the prison and the inmates are able to to somehow run circles around you and to get certain liberties that they otherwise wouldn't be able to have is is that a good way to put it that's a general perception and it's something that we have to be aware of as chaplains and and kind of 
uh, you know, prove ourselves. You know, we don't we don't just automatically get a respect if we're wearing a, a yarmulke or, or a clerical collar or however we present ourselves as chaplains. Uh, just being a member of the clergy doesn't always demand respect among the men and women who we work with. Uh, so, and yeah. actually, you're saying that it, it's 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 the opposite because of the history in your in your facility. The almost sense is, I wish we wouldn't have to put up with this because the the chaplains are are sort of like fools that um, that that the the inmates run roughshod over and end up impeding our what we're trying to do, as opposed to seeing you as partners. Because I got the impression that we've this is the third time we've we've talked. I got the impression, at least for yourself, Yitzchok, that that they saw you as a partner in the rehabilitation of uh, of, of, the, of the men and women there, or the men there. That they saw you as an object of of the greater vision. That it wasn't that they were all they were all about trying to bring the person back into society, and obviously, when you meet someone's spiritual needs and you show you care for them as a person, isn't that all? It would seem to me it's all part of the same approach, right? Well, it's, there's two parts to this issue. One is yes, that's the the general view of the prison. The philosophy of the prison is a correctional one, and that is part of the aspect, but. Truth being told, in general, when you're dealing with the security aspect of the prison, there's the two aspects. There's the security aspect and there's the service aspect, we sometimes call centralized services, and they are often generally would be in conflict. However, I'm thankful that the, my predecessor, my immediate predecessor, who was only there a short time, was not, you know, was respected. And also the one chaplain who I supervise who is full-time, all the other chaplains I supervise are part-time, although some of those part-time are close to full-time. They're more than half-time. Uh, but the one other full-time chaplain who we have, who's a Catholic deacon, he put in a tremendous amount of effort to, to you know, to remedy the problems that we had there in the in that institution from before he came and and you know pretty much he arrived just as the one very long serving uh, head chaplain retired he was maybe there the last few months of of his uh, tenure and he worked very hard to develop relationships with the correctional officers that's which is a more uh, a more politically correct way to say guards, and but still, it's it's an uphill battle. Despite then, and of course, me coming in with a beard and payas and with a, a, a strimal on on cholamoyed or on or on purim, it's a it, that that itself you know lends to an uphill battle. But I want to share one story where I was able to uh, to overcome to overcome uh, an issue just by being respectful and, and particularly re my genuine respect that I have for, for veterans. Both of my grandfathers uh, were in the service. My father's father was in World War II and my my mother's father, my Zayda, who was a, a, a Shabbos Yid, 
he was in Korea. My father-in-law was in Korea, who I never met. So what? Uh, so I, I have a genuine respect for, for military veterans. But we got an email on February 3rd, 2019, so almost two years ago now, that uh, one thing that goes on in the prisons is that the inmates paint murals on the walls, and, the, and some of them are actually quite talented artists. And one of the mural projects, which is right next to where we get our keys uh, in the morning, is that as part of the control hallway mural project, we're going to do a collage of military unit patches on the wall near the control window. If you would like to have your unit patch added, please send me a picture. For, and they, uh, you know, attaches a picture of the 28th ID unit patch as an example, etc. So, uh, and then one of the guys, so this was sent out to the whole prison. So one of the officers sent out an email with the name of his division and the picture with uh, an expletive term celebrating the fact that his infantry division was going to be celebrated. And then the next fellow answered that. And again, intending only to send it privately to another, um, to, to just between him and, and his friend sent to all 700 staff members in the prison uh, using some very colorful words that are not appropriate. The type even. of words you might hear in the bivouac or in the uh, in the heat of battle or in during basic training, but not the and, type of not the type of words you would expect in um, genteel conversation. No, but they're pretty common among the among the officers as they they talk to one another. But it shouldn't have been sent out in an email. So one of the the one who sent it send out an email apologizing to this. As you all are aware, I sent an email a few hours ago, it was the response, etc. And uh, I tried to recall the message, tried to reach out to IT. I make no excuses. It should have been a private conversation and I accept full responsibilities for my actions and my unprofessionalism was in no way meant to be malicious in nature. And he apologized, apologized, apologized. So I took it upon myself after seeing his apology to write the following on, on Wednesday, February 6th. On behalf of the chaplaincy department, I can say, I am sure none of our chaplains were offended. And I put in parentheses, therefore, nobody else should have been offended either if the men of the cloth were not offended. We thank you for your service to our great country and recognize the special culture the military has. You certainly do not need to apologize to our department. I can't speak for anyone else, but if we are okay with it, no one else should have an excuse. God bless. And I put my name there. And uh, the news that I got from that was that he was very taken aback and, and impressed by that and happy. And I remember, you know, when he finally found me, because I guess he's someone who works a night shift. I don't usually see him, but he happened to be there when I was there. He went out of his way to shake my hand and thank me for for my kind words, um, and and doing things like that are the ways that we can overcome the stereotypes that we have with the chaplaincy. Because again, some of our staff are devoutly religious people. Sometimes even some of them want to ask if they could teach a Bible study, and and some of them are not religious at all. And you know, to kind of make those inroads, it's part of our ministry to the inmates and. I used that 
incidentally, to teach one of the things that I do as the head chaplain is that one of our part-time chaplains, he's, I mentioned before, he's a Russian Orthodox priest. And in addition to work more than half time in the prison and having his own parish, he's also an adjunct professor in the seminary, which is not too far away from the prison where, where he himself uh, was ordained and where he studied. And he, uh, he brings the students who are learning to be Russian Orthodox priests. And it's interesting how their, their lifestyle is so much similar to a Koyla life uh, that, you know, the Russian Orthodox priests are allowed to be married, unlike the Catholic priests. So they're often living with, with their wives and their children, uh, getting paid a, a stipend to sit and learn the, the Russian Orthodox ways and then to go on to become priests in their own parishes. And the interesting thing, the phenomenon that we have there is that uh, when the, the priest who works for us, who's uh, about my, would be my father's age, uh, he said, you know, when he studied there, they were all people who were brought up in that in that denomination. And now it's quite the opposite. The vast majority of the seminarians are converts to their faith. And when I mentioned this incident to the men who were coming to be our interns, one of them himself was a veteran, and he was a little offended that I kind of gave him slack, the, the CO, the correctional officer, slack on this by saying that, we recognize the special culture of the military because he, as a military man, said, no, it's it's not part of the culture. It's not supposed to be. You're supposed to hold yourself to a higher uh, to a higher standard as a member of the military, which I appreciate and I agree. But on the other hand, I still well, think... I, I, what I would say is, you know, as before we get onto the shaggy dog part of the show, yeah. um, what I would say is, is that I think the response that the CO sent to you not only his apology, but it was done in a, in a, in a, in, in, with the type of discipline that I think is instilled by having a military training. Whether cursing or not uh, is, is, is part and parcel of what's expected from you um, is really secondary to what being in the military does, besides the fact that it galvanizes your feelings of patriotism and it sharpens them towards uh, a, a goal it basically sharpens the whole human. It, it, it makes the person realize throughout his life what uh, what it means to uh, to be organized, to be to be given over towards something, uh, to realize that people look at you and you you're supposed to represent something. What I would ask you before we move on is, you know, you we are celebrating Veterans Day, and although you said you started our program by saying. It's going to be a toned down celebration due to COVID. Um, there is a a, a, a a spirit that is, is, is that permeates. You said through the guards that this is a day to recognize uh, their contribution to others, and you said also that the some of the inmates as well. Does that help in terms of creating a bond? For example. If there's an inmate who also had been, uh, had served in the military and whatever wrong turns they took in their life, does the fact that they served in the armed forces or somewhere in the military help bridge the gap between them and the COs? 
I, I believe to a certain extent we do have special programs. There's you know one staff member who his position is to provide veteran services for the inmates, you know, to, and they, he, you know, brings them together and they do flag ceremonies. And, uh, you know, what, when we have, let's say when we have a program for veterans day or Memorial day, he'll often have them come in and march and he trains them with the marches with the flags. And, and he has other programs that he does with them, uh, recognizing their contribution and celebrating their contribution Mm -hmm. and uh, you know the fact of the matter is uh, you know before I get to uh, the inmates there was one other incident that I remember with one of the COs one of the guards uh, and it kind of I don't have to get into the whole story with the previous administration in my position but it was a fascinating thing how we thank God we have a wonderful imam and his predecessor who just moved on to a full-time position with the federal prison, also from the same community. And we were very blessed to have wonderful, very moderate and polite uh, imams, Turkish imams who serve our Muslim community who are mostly African-American with a different ideology. The inmates tend to be Salafi and the, and the, uh, the imam that we have is a Turkish follower of uh, Fethullah Gulen. But before we were blessed to have these imams, uh, who, who again, the one who just left was there before I got there uh, almost three years ago now, uh, we did, they did apparently have some problems with the imams. And the head chaplain, who's a Protestant Christian minister, actually approached one of the, uh, one of the, uh, COs who was of Jewish ancestry from his father's side, but he himself's a Christian. He was not Jewish. I remember this same CO brought me his uncle's mezuzahs and old tefillin and talis and things uh, because his uncle passed away and he wanted to make sure uh, to, that they were taken care of properly his uh, Tashmishe Kedusha and Tashmishe Mitzvah. But uh, this this uh, guard was a veteran and served in Afghanistan and, and Iraq. And he learned Arabic as part of his program. And what happened was, was the prison was afraid that the imam that they had at the time was a radical, which I guess he was, and they got rid of him because of that. And they he... the chaplain actually asked the CEO to go through some of the Arabic books there to, to see if they're appropriate for a prison setting or if they were a security risk, which the CEO said they were. Although in the end, the chaplain got the CEO in trouble because he actually wrote inside the books taking notes, which I guess he, he didn't appreciate, but uh, that was neither here nor there. But again, I was able to make a good relationship with the CEO despite the negative... Uh, you know, it seemed, you know, it would seem that uh, that the prison is uh, almost a natural place for someone who had been, uh, uh, you know, an officer in and been serving, and now uh, was discharged, whatever, a honorable discharge. Where it's like, where are they going to go? You know, they're going to go sell tires, or they're going to go sell insurance. It would seem like a prison is almost 
uh, it replicates somewhat of a military style atmosphere. And um, it's, it's a way where I, I'm not sure if it's the best for their own personal growth, um, but it seems like a natural fit. And it, it, it seems to be uh, logical for many uh, veterans to find themselves in the positions of as a uh, and, as a CEO, and, and it is a paramilitary program for the uniformed members of the staff for for the security guards and so forth. They do have paramilitary ranks. You know, they have title of an officer, and then above them is a sergeant. Above them right. is a lieutenant, right. and then above them is the major. And most of our uh, other staff, many of them served in the service, and including. We don't call him the warden, we call him the superintendent, but he had a very long military career before his almost 30 years in corrections, which I don't, he doesn't seem to be that old. It almost looks like he might have started this uh, uh, when he was younger than 18, but he, I think he had more than 10 years military service before, close to 30 years in, in, in I haven't thought about it much, but it would seem that although it is, like you say, a natural fit, uh, in terms of the ambiance, in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of um, in terms of how you fit in so naturally, I, I wonder if it's uh, it, it, if perhaps it needs to be shaken up a little bit. Maybe um, uh, although, uh, especially since as we spoke about the very first time, part of what you're trying to do is is have a whole holistic type of approach to um, bringing the person back into society. And maybe uh, it would be good to 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 have some of the guards not being people who had military training. Maybe, oh, and, and there are plenty who are not. Yeah, and and then also, you know, we non-uniform staff. Uh, obviously, we are kind of shaking things up, whether we're in in chaplaincy or or in education or yeah, these yeah. other kinds of you know, you know, I, I, you know, I know that one of the things that we've discovered in our uh, couple of times we've spoken is that. One of the things that you've done, and I've done in my own teaching as well, but what you've done is you try to show um, films um, and uh, films that can inspire, uh, films that are not objectionable. And we've talked about how your use of films and your knowledge of films have uh, have been important for you. And uh, I'll start us off here because it's sort of the topic we're talking about in terms of military uh, personnel who try to move on and prison um i you know i i, I could probably pause the our recording and try to discover the 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 name of the film but i remember there was a film in the 1950s with gregory peck where he um was it called the man in the um the man in the red shoe i think it was uh, um so this is actually a film i think it was made 1957 as possible uh, I'm I'm guessing yeah. uh, 1957. So I didn't without googling. That's what I remember. And uh, that film is really about um, the dissonance between the life in the war, life under fire. Those five years of four or five years of World War II, and how he's the 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 cognitive dissonance, as we would say today, of trying to get back into the world and how his life as a a regular gray flannel suit fellow is difficult to to match with the memories and what he went through in the war and the trauma that surrounds him. Of course, it was also done uh, most famously, of course, in the 
and the film that swept all the Oscars today, hardly anybody watches it. I, I wonder if you appreciate, of course, is the best days of our lives, which is uh, uh, the difficulty of adjustment of uh, people in battle uh, to civilian life. I'm sure you remember that film as well, all the Oscars that it, that it garnered. But, you know, uh, these are films that deal with moving on from the military uh, and, and, and the difficulty of moving on. I know that you have some favorites about that, that deal with actually life under in the war, life uh, under that pressure of military that you think are uh, uplifting and important films. So why don't you share some of your favorites and I'll counter with some of mine. Well, you know, not just about film, but in general, this is a, a, a subject that's connected, and not just with the military, but this is a subject that's connected in general to prison life to the, and the difficulties of, of being rehabilitated after a, a prison sentence, just like there are the difficulties of being rehabilitated after the trauma and the, post, and the PTSD of, of war. I know, you know, we, we both know uh, Dr. Juni, and he has a student who's also a dear friend of mine is, is Dr. Uh, Neil Rudafasi, who wrote a book. He, he himself was a sergeant at NYPD, and he's a professor and a psychologist, and he wrote books on the subject of PTSD, both military and police PTSD. The fact of the matter is even in situations, you know, these are both issues of valor, but when you're talking about the inmates themselves readjusting to life after uh, after prison, uh, I'll be honest. I, I I myself spent a night in in a county jail down in Virginia when I was a rub there, and I remember there was one fellow there. It was almost like the Andy Griffith show where they bring uh, Otis, where Otis Otis, Otis opens up the prison himself. Yeah, and, and and there was a guy like that who seemed to be there plenty of times, and, and I was only there overnight, and the, the place where I was held, even though it wasn't because of any intoxication, it was kind of like a drunk tank type of situation, just because I was there so for such a short time, and this fellow, he said something along the lines, he's like, oh, I've had, I've had enough of these county jails, I got to I got to rob me a bank and, and, and retire to federal prison and live the good life. That was the, and there are a lot of people who even as much as they complain about their lives in prison, once they get out, they cannot, they can't. I wanted to talk movies like five minutes ago, but you, you know, you're, 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 you're tap dancing over here. You you want to talk about a guy who didn't adjust to life in prison, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. James Whitmore in one of his last yeah. performances, that Spencer Tracy clone who went in there. Let's, let's rev it up, Paul Lukowski, okay? There it's movie go. time now. Yeah. It's movie time, okay? I, I gave I, you the I, ball to run I, with I, the football about movies. Yeah. James I, Whitmore in, in, was it James Whitmore in the, uh, my I, I, I never actually saw it, although they actually showed us that scene in our basic training to, to work for the DOC, but it's a very famous movie that we all Yes, yes, the Shawshank Redemption. But right. go ahead. I know, I know enough from, from references on The Simpsons and things like that. Okay, all right, listen. Alti at Sonic Harvey. I understand that your knowledge of movies is nothing past the M rating of 1970. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. You, you have, it's, everything yeah. is verboten. I think when Patton came out, I think it was given the rating of M because there yeah. wasn't yet an R rating. But go ahead, Kolakowski. Let's I mean, I, 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 did, I did see Star Wars. I saw all the Star Wars movies, but that's about it. There is, 
There is one movie that that's I. A, Star Wars is basically like a military movie, though. It's basically like a. It's basically like a like a war movie. It's basically well, it's what Star it is. Wars, so that's the. Uh, yeah, the I'm story. saying even though it's science fiction, it has yeah. many of the tropes of your typical, uh, uh, you know, of your typical war film. And, and Lucas took you know a lot of things directly from classic World War II movies, in addition to samurai movies and westerns and so forth. All these things that he brought right. together to make well, Star Wars. Well, what's a movie for Veterans Day? What's a movie well, that we a, can be a inspired movie, for Veterans just Day? As a chaplain, I'm going to go a little <laughs> bit obscure. Not a uh, not a Hollywood movie. Not a movie that was even released uh, for the general public. This was actually a an army training film, but I. I in the public domain now and it's readily available on uh on youtube because it's in the public domain and i had picked this up uh in a bin of public domain movies when i was a kid on vhs it's called for god and country from 1943 it's 40 minutes long it's not a feature-length film but it's longer than the average short subject it's a military training film but it's a dramatic presentation of three chaplains it's not very good, but it's interesting to see, particularly Ronald Reagan plays a Catholic priest, and Richard Carlson, who uh, was in some of my favorite science fiction movies like The Creature from the Black Lagoon, and It Came from Outer Space, uh, plays a Protestant minister, uh, and then I don't remember who plays the rabbi uh, offhand, but it's interesting to see the presentation. They actually show... Uh, the uh, the soldiers in World War II davening, I, it appears to be they'd be davening mincha altogether, uh, is what it looks like to me in in, in the stock footage and the montage of various things, and then and then when they show also the, the various chaplains doing their programs, their their service, the, the rabbi comes out and he says Shema when he's holding the Sefer Torah, and he lanes a little bit and. It's uh, this was quite a film. This was a film that was meant to be seen by uh, people um, uh, like before the, at the news, right after the newsreel. Was it something that was never? It was never shown in movie houses. It was not in movie houses. This was for the soldiers as a training film, uh-huh. and the, the motion picture unit in World War II, which a lot of the famous actors, including Ronald Reagan were active in during their service in World War II. That was part of their work. Sure. Dr. Seuss was also in the motion picture unit. Ray Harryhausen, and a lot of the... Capra uh, himself made films. Capra and Ford. Oh, yeah. Capra and Ford both made films. Uh, Why We Fight, right? Sure. Yeah, so yeah, we talked about Capra last week. So that's your... So you would say that this um, not so well-made... Or not, 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 it's not such a great film, but you would, you would uh, uh, suggest for our listeners, if they're listening to this, uh, if they're still listening, if, uh, that yeah. this is this might be something that they might appreciate and get a, inspired for, for Veterans Day. It's a curio, and it, and it has Jewish elements in it. And we, uh, I guess, we're both rabbis, so uh, it has a rabbi in it, and it's and <laughs> presented. I don't, I don't know if he's an Orthodox rabbi or not. In this sh- in this show, but he was presented very well, and it yeah. was, uh... well. I do think one thing that the, the Hollywood trope films, you know, they came obviously World War Two, um, especially 
I, I have a, a, a suggestion, a World War One film, but World War Two, especially not only had films during the war, but for probably you know years after, including probably even, uh, you know, I think there was uh, some that came out recently that uh, it's constantly it's the gift that never stops giving. But one of the things the 50s, uh, World War Two movies in the 50s had the idea of and, and perhaps it's the late 40s as well of basic training a group of strangers come together and they they're formed into a unit and that was a, a metaphor constantly for how america could come together uh, i know cagney did a uh, a number of films i think the fighting he and his uh, good buddy um uh, pat o'brien uh, did a film i think it was uh, one of the irish units uh that they had the point was that the idea that the military is a place that Hollywood wanted us to believe everybody could be a part of. And, uh, you know, you always had some Jewish name, right? Uh, There was some Stein or or, or Markowitz that was part of the, uh, that was part of the trainees. And somehow they all come together uh, as, as one. And the idea that the military is a place that equalizes where it's a place where the best of America come out um and there is a lot of truth to that we all know that the um a lot of the integration in our country started first in the military true there were segregated black units but integration came a lot quicker in the military than it did uh in the to the rest of society so the military is definitely a great metaphor and and hollywood made made great use of it i would i would just suggest uh, if people want to take some time off from their limonatera and to do something about what to, to, to see something that's available, I don't know if it's available on YouTube, but um, I, I think it's worthwhile thinking uh, about war and about the sacrifice of war um, and the contradictions that are contained in it. I'm not talking about necessarily anti-war, but at least thinking about how complex it is. And now, as much as we mourn those that have died in battle and, and, and respect those, we also realize how we're working for a world that will somehow not need war. Um, and uh, for that, I would suggest Stanley Kubrick's uh, Paths of Glory, which I think uh, in many ways deals with the very difficult decisions that happen during war. And uh, a lot of times it, 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 it's a, uh, a great discovery of of, of 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 how hard it is to be able to uh, to defend actions, military actions during war, and the public relations aspect that sometimes covers things up. So it's a great anti-war film, but it's also uh, uh, you really get the sense that you are there with the soldiers. Um, that's I, I think would be a that's I think it's 1959 or 1960 I believe was uh, Paths of Glory. So, uh, you did mention Star Wars. One of the, although I most of the recent Star Wars movies, I don't think were particular, but the Rogue One really fits into that whole milieu of how you had this ragtag group of very different characters. They came together, they had their mission, they gave the ultimate sacrifice, but then gave that hope of after after their sacrifice they were able to you know lead into the the first directly into the first star wars movie uh that was the well we uh, could also throw in again i know you don't want to talk about uh, films after 1970 but i think glory 
which was, uh, I think, directed by Edward Zwick and Marshall Hershkowitz, uh, two Jewish fellows, which was about the, uh, the platoon, the black platoon in, in, during the Civil War. Um, and I think Denzel Washington won, his, won an Oscar for that, for Best Supporting Actor, I believe. And uh, that is also a very uplifting film, uh, a film that um, um, has another Jewish fellow stars in it, Matthew Broderick. And uh, I think it's uh, another thing about the sacrifice and, the, and how one, for the sake of the United States, for the sake of common cause, differences between us can be um, flattened out. And I think in that way, you know, we, we, we're, we're, we can't, we have to mention we're on the heels of a, we just finished this a very disturbing time in the United States. And maybe it's still going on. The differences between the Democrats and the Republicans, uh, the angry um, slurs going back and forth, uh, even as the election settles. Um, I think it's good to pause and embrace the common value uh, of the valor of the military as a way to you know, <laughs> cool, cool down and recognize what's the reason why America was especially here. What's the reason why God has allowed, the Rabbanu Shalom has allowed America uh, to, to exist and uh, as America to, to, to have the fame, the great role that it has and celebrating the people who have fought for it and having Rahmanus on those. And <laughs> I think is, is a way to perhaps calm things. I, do you agree, Chaplin? Absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and and it should be this day should be used as as a as a cause for that. You know, we it's interesting. We did mention how inmates served in the service, and one it seems to me that one of the communities that has the highest service rate among our inmates are those who are of Native American, which you would think these people had been victimized by our military in the past. And yet, uh, at every powwow that uh, I know of in Pennsylvania, I'm saying out on the street, they start always with a salute to the veterans and to the military, and they're very proud of you know the the classic uh, you know Native American warrior uh, ideology is is kept alive with service in the American military. To the point where we we had an issue. One of the inmates, who's part of the Native American community, uh, accused another inmate of stolen valor and said, you know, some of the ways he expressed himself kind of proved that he really wasn't in the military and that he was. And he actually wound up uh, in the hole, as we say, in in this in the restricted housing unit, the jail inside the jail, for threatening this other inmate and uh, and getting into a fight with him uh, wasn't physical we don't have that many physical fights at Waymark. It's a pretty quiet and peaceful jail compared to most others but uh he he wound up uh, you know being punished because of his he felt you know he's defending the honor of uh, and, and, and it's really true. like you say the idea of stolen valor that some of our listeners might not be aware of it is something that's very very a sensitive topic by veterans when other people claim that either they served in a unit they didn't serve in, or even worse, claiming that they were the recipients of various medals and various um, citations that they never really had. And in a sense, they're stealing the valor from the real heroes. And um, that is a, a fact that he was so moved by that. 
uh, it's a, a great irony uh, of someone whose ancestors were probably decimated by uh, the first American uh, settlers and then hounded by the cavalry and other things. Uh, here he was now uh, standing up so strong for the, the COVID of, of, of the valor of others. And I think that's uh, that, that's a way to bond, really, with something way beyond you, way beyond his own culture. And if if you're able to uh, if you're able to be successful in that, if you're able to create such a myth, a mythos, I would say, then you have a power that can move people and change people. So um, it seems like you know Veterans Day. We we definitely have not grown beyond it. We have a lot less veterans because we're not engaged in, this, in wars and we don't have the draft. But I think it's something that we should probably uh, revisit more and, and 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 use that as a source of pride. Well, that's yeah. about it, my friends. We've 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 walked around uh, quite a bit here. And uh... thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You don't miss a single episode.